Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This morning, I'm asking you to turn to uh, Luke uh, chapter 14. And and really, the main reason why is um, I came across this portion of Scripture just in my own reading time, and, and something hit me different. Um, like, we've read this portion of Scripture before, but something hit me kind of different, and I just wanted to carry it through because I noticed in reading the passage that um, Jesus... Um, when he communicates, he communicates um, with, with what I will say is clear expectations from him. There's never like, you know, kind of where it's clouded or it's kind of like a veil over it or anything like that. It, it's really the fact that he wants to communicate as we read through scripture, the, uh, his heart and what he actually expects. And so today we're going to talk about as, as I said, something that we've all read, we've all talked about, but man, it just maybe hits different for me um, this time. And, and maybe it's because um, some of you know, maybe some of you don't know that um, I'm, I'm headed on a sabbatical um, over the next uh, a month. And so maybe that's why the Lord's kind of having me kind of walk through this. And I don't know if it'll make sense. Maybe it's just to minister to me today, but I hope it ministers to you as well. But we're going to kind of talk about when Jesus says, follow me. His, his, his directive is very clear. It's not kind of, you know, whoa, what's he talking about? You know, follow, follow me, right? And in that journey, whether you um, are, are maybe even start today or wherever you are in your journey or maybe you're a seasoned veteran and you said, yes, um, I want to I wanna be able to follow you, what that means then is now you're on a journey of discipleship. You're on a journey of discipleship. And if you want to mark this down or put it in your notes, if you've got notes or whatever, basically you could put discipleship equals follower. Discipleship equals follower. And really that's all that a disciple is, is someone who is following Jesus, who is following the teachings of Jesus, following the direction of Jesus, following where he's going and what he's wanting and you can be a fan of Jesus, but you can't be a disciple, okay? A fan is one who just kind of watches from the stands. Like, um, the only way I can think of putting it, um, like, like, think about it like sports, okay? You're not an actual player on the team, but you're sitting in the stands as a fan, right? But if you're in the trenches... If you're playing, say, football, baseball, or whatever, you're on the team, then you are actually involved and engaged in what's going on and what's taking place on the field, correct? So there's a big difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. Totally different than what sometimes we, we might think it is. Because sometimes we might think, well, no, um, you know, um, I think it's okay to be a fan. Well, you can be a fan, sure. But see, he wants you in the game. He wants you a part of the team. But he doesn't give you these vague kind of things. 
in order to make you feel a part of the team. Like when you're a part of the team, then you're like meeting with the coach. Coach is giving you strategy. He's giving you plans. He's giving you the game plan. He's setting this up. He's setting that up. He's got all these things, you know, for you to be able to try to, to, to play out in, in, the, in the midst of the, the competition. But see, when you're a fan, you don't get privy to that. You're just kind of like, hey, yeah, go team. Oh, man, man, our quarterback stinks. Man, we're never going to get to the Super Bowl. This guy's terrible. But we're not in that, that deep, deep stuff. And so we can take our Christianity and just be a fan and just go, well, yeah, you know, uh, Jesus is great. Jesus is good. But, um, you know, I, I kind of do my own thing. Or we can actually maybe get into, like, the playbook and the times of, 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 of our secret place or, or spending time with him and really start getting to know what the actual game plan is so that we can actually be involved in the game and get ourselves going, whatever that looks like. Because it could be a big thing, right? God could call you, hey, I want you to go preach, da 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 da, da. okay? Or it could be a small thing, hey, I, I just want you to greet people at the door. Really? That's it? Yes, that is it. But see, you are now what? In the game. You're not just a fan from the outside. Man, you know what? That Todd, he's a great greeter. I just love every time I walk in, oh, he just has a smile on his face. And it's just, I, you know, that's great. But see, when, that's being a fan. You're a fan. But then you know what? God calls all of us, me included, to actually be in the game. To be a disciple, right? To, to actually putting this stuff into application. Because I think, you know, sometimes I think we understand discipleship in theory. Now, hopefully I get this right, but this is at least how my, my mind thinks it, about it. We, we, get, we get, oh, okay, discipleship. Yeah, I, that's something that you're supposed to be, you know, a little more dedicated to Jesus and stuff like that. And we kind of like theory. But we don't like application because application pushes us to do something. So we kind of live in the theory process. Well, yeah, I, I get that. Hey, Pastor Scott, that was a great sermon on Sunday. Oh, that was so great. Yeah, that was great. But then when it comes to application during the week, you're like, I ain't doing that. Are you kidding me? That's too much. I don't think I can handle that. And so today's title, because I, I just want to be able to take us through this, 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 this process a little bit. Um, about discovering what Jesus requires or expects of us as disciples, okay? And so uh, the title of the message is Clear Expectations. Clear Expectations. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, help us to understand Jesus' clear expectations of us. Amen. Now, in Scripture, we see Jesus say the words, follow me, right? He said it to those who were, you know, on the job, those who are, you know, working their businesses, you know, even the tax collector who's in a tax collector booth, he's all, hey, drop your job. Come follow me, right? Now, most of us would say, man, I hope he never does that to me. I, I can't drop my job, Pastor Scott, right? So a little different time because he's talking to the disciples at, at that point. He's gathering his 12. But, but the amazing thing to me is the fact that they didn't never turn back. Sure, um, Judas had his issues. And we can go into that a little bit deeper in another time. 
But none of them turned back. None of them were like, okay, yeah, I'm going to give you a little bit. And then, but I'm going to kind of, you know, straddle the fence, if you say. But that none of them, none of them turned back from following him. And I'm always interested in, you know, Jesus' leadership style as well. Because I think it's, it's, it's interesting how he vetted people. Because Jesus was very upfront. He was very straightforward. He didn't hold anything back, right? I, and, I, and I think he doesn't, he, I mean, he, I know he doesn't. He didn't adhere to the way church is mostly done these days, right? Because kind of as a church, sometimes we don't do a good enough job of telling people what is expected of them when they say yes to following Jesus. We don't do a good enough job. Ah, I'm part of the problem. Because you know what? You, you get in this mindset, hey, let's get people saved, right? Greatest thing in the world. But then often what happens in the church sometimes is that's it. There's no, no process of discipleship. There's no process of helping. We just think, yeah, I got great numbers. And when you think about that, that, that charge in Matthew 28, it doesn't say, get people saved, then make them disciples. Does it? I don't, there's no word about being saved. It's important. I'm not saying it's not. But he says, go and make disciples. It's all one process. It's not separate. But see, sometimes we separate it. But see, Jesus is just so like, you know, out front. He has no problem laying it out there so that everyone would understand, have an understanding of what his expectations were. So let's look at Luke chapter 14, 25 through 33. It's a familiar passage. I know you probably have heard it, probably have read it, but we're reading it today. It says, a large crowd was following Jesus. Now, I think about that large crowd. Um, there was probably maybe some believers and maybe even some unbelievers, at the time. I don't know. It doesn't say, but I would imagine maybe, maybe that was part of it. They were mixed together, but here they were. They were buying in or listening very intently to what Jesus had to say, right? Almost like um, it was, he, you know, hey, reel us in. Get us, get us to come closer. He says this. So it says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, okay? Now, I don't think any pastor in America would probably say it this way, but this is what he says. If you want to be my disciple, my follower, my learner, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. That's, that's strong. Come on, man, Jesus. It says, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Now, are you going to really build a church that way? I mean, think about it. Hey, guys, hate your mother, hate your dad, hate everybody, hate yourself too. No, that, I mean, that seems totally opposite, right? I mean, that's kind of even offending. Like, what? And he says, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you might 
complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. Verse 30, they would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without sitting, first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against, marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss the terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. Verse 33. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. No way, shape, or form did Jesus sugarcoat anything, did he? I mean, you would think, hey, I'm trying to gather people to follow me. I'm trying to get people to come along with me. I'm trying to get them to say, yeah, I'm on board. So in our culture these days, it's kind of like, you know, we want to rub them on the back. Come on, man, we're going to go a little farther here. We're going to go a little further. Jesus didn't, almost didn't do that. I mean, Jesus didn't do that. He was like, hey, I'm just laying it out there. This is my expectation. If you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to follow me, I'm, 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 I'm telling you right now, this is what, this is what we got to do, right? And, and like I said, you know, in some ways too, I think um, if Jesus were like that or in, in, in some way, I think people would be offended nowadays. I mean, you know, people get offended over the fact that, you know, the worship band didn't play the song right these days or you know, get offended that, you know, it's too hot in here, it's not, or it's too cold in here, or it's too whatever. And, you know, the church has done a job, and I'm saying church as a whole, but, but the church in some ways has really tried to just kind of, you know, base a lot of what they do on the metrics of the people. Like, what do the people want? What are the people saying? And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not downgrading that, but Jesus didn't. He didn't. I mean, he, he, he had this kind of whole other approach, right? And he, I mean, he's, he's the chief apostle. He's the chief um, prophet. I mean, I, he, he's just, I mean, he's all these things, pastor, teacher, you know, evangelist. He's all of this. And he's like, that's, I don't recruit the way you guys recruit. I recruit totally different. You know, because you know how he recruits? at least how I, I, I take it there, is that he kind of goes after what you like. You like ice cream? No more ice cream for you. You're going to get vegetables from now on. Right? <laughs> you like sleep? Well, I'm going to ask you to get up early in the morning. Spend some time with me. So, you know, to, to start your day. But, but see, he, he loves us. He has, has, has compassion on us. But he kind of goes after what, where our heartstrings are when he says, hey, you know what? Mama, daddy, brothers, sisters, like, you're messing. You're messing with my family, Jesus. But Jesus is like, yeah, I know I am. Because you know what? There's, there's a certain thing here. Uh, think about the story um, about the, uh, the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18, right? He comes up. He's the one that starts the conversation with Jesus. And he says, hey, what must I do to have eternal life? I mean, I, 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 have, um, 
I know the Torah. I know the law. I've kept all of those things. But what else do I need to do? And what does Jesus do? Come and rub his back. Well, let me tell you, you rich young, I just love you. You're so amazing. So awesome. No, the very first words out of it, he says, sell everything you have and follow me. Because his heart was tied to something different. Right? That was more important. Right? And the scripture tells us that, you know what? He didn't even have the, the uh, well, at least I, the way I read it in the scripture. I mean, he didn't even say, uh, hey, sorry, Jesus, I got to go. He just walked away sad. And, and his face down and just kind of, you know, discouraged and saddened by what Jesus had to say. But see, Jesus didn't sugarcoat it. He gave him, hey, so follow these. Oh, I'm already doing those. Hey, great. Now, why don't you give up that? What? I can't give up that. I've worked so hard for that, Jesus. Or my daddy worked so hard. For, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if it was inherited or whatever. But I, 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 I've, I've kind of established this in my life. Yet you're asking me to follow you? And how many would bet if he were to give that up, Jesus would like have so much more for him. He'd have so much more following Jesus. Be so more, much more fulfilled, right? Because I think part of it is maybe in his life, he's unfulfilled. He re- realizes I'm unfulfilled. I want more of God in my life. I want to do more for him. Yet when he brings it to the table and Jesus says, okay, well then here's what you need to do. He's like, ah, I, I, can't, I can't do that. But, but Jesus set up a clear expectation for him. And, that, and that's, what he, that's what he wants to do with us. He wants to, wants to, to set that up. And, and I think what's really cool too, it's almost like in this first conversation, or at least with him, he, Jesus just wants to push, push him into the deep end. Not, you know, that little shallow water. He's like, no, I'm pushing you right into the deep end. How, how often have we let Jesus push us into the deep end? Right? We, 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 we argue or, or we debate him or we struggle with. And so we're like, well, yeah, but Jesus, I'll give you, I'll give you this much. Right? I'll give you uh, just a little bit more. But Jesus, oh, no, dude, I want to just push you into the deep end. But see, when you get pushed into the deep end and you flow with it, man, you're going to experience what he has for you. The fullness of all of that. And so he, here he is in this first conversation, even with that guy, he's just, man, he pushes him. He wants to push him all the way in the deep end. Right? But his whole thought is, man, I don't want you guessing. I don't want you to come to church and be guessing. What, what does God want from me? What does, God, I, what, what does God want to do with me? Well, first is, man, he wants you. He wants your heart. Uh, would you be willing to just jump in the deep end for him instead of kind of, you know, the little baby steps into the water? Now, I don't know what that deep end looks like for you, right? That deep end could be something that would be very, very, hey, it might be just start reading your Bible. Could be as simple as that. Not everyone is called to the mission field or to be a pastor or to be a youth pastor, Right? When Jesus calls them or pushes them. But he wants to push you uh, deeper 
in the waters than sometimes what we are experiencing right now. But see, he's trying to, to communicate. And true relationship is built on authentic communication. True relationship is built on authentic communication. The thing that kills more relationships than any other category is uncommunicated expectations. See, Jesus wants to give you his expectations up front every single time. Every time you read scripture, he wants to give it to you up front. He's not suggesting his expectation. He's giving you the expectation, right? And, and really, there's nothing wrong with expectations even in relationships, right? But the, the problem is, is when, you know what, people aren't aware in those relationships of what the expectations are. And so I have an expectation that my wife needs to do this. Well, she don't know I have that expectation, so then I get mad and angry, right? Usually lose, but I get mad and angry. Just kidding. She's like, hmm. Remember, you're going on sabbatical. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But see, that's the thing. We have expectations like, okay, like for an example, I'm totally telling on myself today. All right, so growing up as a kid, I, man, I had uh, my mom, so precious, so great. But man, she allowed me to like use like five cups a day, like glasses a day to drink something. Like I didn't use the same cup over and over. I, and then I would just leave my cups wherever I wanted to. I get married. <laughs> Let's just say it took a while for her to train me to drink from one cup. Because I would just leave it there. And my expectation was, she's going to pick it up. She's going to take it to the, the, the sink. She's going to clean it. Boy, did I get my world rocked. That, that, that was, am I right? Yeah. That, and then I was also one of those kids that took showers like all the time. And I used a new towel every single time. Because my mom was like, no, I love doing laundry. Yeah, you go ahead. You get a new towel every time. She don't love laundry. So I, man, I felt the brunt of that too, but I had this expectation it was going to happen, and she had this expectation that, hey, that ain't happening. <laughs> so it created just a little bit of conflict, right? Because our expectations didn't kind of meet up. But see, here's Jesus. He's just plain and, and truthful, and he lays it all out there to us, and he says, this is what I expect. But see, we don't read our Bible sometimes looking at it from that perspective, we read it and go, oh, okay. Not, not, we, like, again, we kind of, oh, that's a suggestion. Well, if I, if, maybe I can get there. Hopefully I can get, no, Jesus says, man, I want you to get there. But see, that, that's the thing that we've got to kind of keep kind of walking through and, 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 and kind of dealing with too. So let me, let me, let me get to the first point because we're going to, like I said, we're going to, talk about discipleship, but it's going to cost you something, right? So the very first point is discipleship could cost you relationships. Discipleship could cost you relationships. Now I'm going to read the scripture. It says, he says this in Luke 26. If you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone, or, or you could put love less, right? Your father mother, wife, and children, brother and sister, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. See, Jesus isn't like the guy that says, hey, you got to hate your dad, 
or you got to hate your mom, or you got to hate whatever. No, he's saying, no, they, they can't have first place in your life. I, I need it. I need to be that. Okay? Now, and, and that's why I said um, could cost you relationships. I didn't say it will completely cost you relationships, but it could. Because Jesus wanted them to know the expectation that he had. If it comes down to me or your dad or your mom or your family or your friends, I need to be first. I need to be the first thing. If it comes down, then he even brings it to another point. If it comes down to me and you, you got to go, man, right? If it comes down to you and me and you, then you know what? I got to be first, not you. See, we, we, we struggle with that. Man, our flesh just, you know, it kind of gets in that hole. Like, or even like, you know, like Wizard of Oz and the Witch, when, when she, um, you know, um, um, she, she's melting, right? And she's just like, whatever. That's kind of how our flesh likes to react sometimes. Or is that just me? Could be just me. I don't know. But there are times when it feels like it gets all like, you know, whatever. My pretty. Anyways. But, 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 it, but it's understanding that, you know what, Jesus says, hey, you know what, if it's between me and you, man, Pastor Scott, are you, are you, are you going gonna to make it sure it's me first, you second? And man, I, I know that sometimes I, I, I fight that. It comes down to my flesh wanting to, no, 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 I want to rule. And Jesus says, no, 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 right? That, but that fleshly nature of ours has to go. Um, I think of the example in 1 Kings. Now, this is taking an Old Testament, right? But when the prophet Elijah put the, uh, you know, put the um, cloak across Elisha's shoulders, basically, you know, calling him out for ministry. And Elisha says, hey, can I go back to my mom and dad and, you know, make, say goodbye and make it right? And, you know, he went and did that. Um, you know, so he says goodbye to his mom and dad. I think, too, it sounded like maybe Elisha's parents maybe were, were wealthy, but it sounded like he gave up his inheritance to go follow to be a disciple of, of Elijah at the time. And I, and I think about it that way in a sense where, you know what, if, if God's asking you to, to, to follow him in a deeper and more spiritual way and, and just to grow, man, can we have a heart like Elijah? That says, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I, I recognize it, it might cost me the times I get to spend with my mom and dad. It might cost me. You know, my mom and dad, they, they live in California. And I am not really good as a son to call like every week. But see, it's that recognition of, okay, I got to follow what God wants me to. I got to get better at it. I know. I know. Um, same thing for Heather. I mean, her parents live in Oregon. But, but, but it's one of those things where you're just like, okay, Lord, I, you first. I don't get half of this stuff, right? But... I know that, you know what, if I put you first, you continue to direct my path. You continue to lead me, right? Um, I love that in Psalms 23, buy still waters, not rough waters, but still waters. How many like ever been to the, the, like a lake or something and it's just crystal clear, just, just smooth? Well, that, that's his heart for us, right? That, that, that's kind of where, where he's at. But if we jump back to, you know, Luke 14, I mean, he's just trying to be very clear with his expectation, right? 
But he's, he's recruiting totally different than we recruit. He's actually going after the things that might be the things that are, our heart are tied to. But see, I think that shows all of us that Jesus is not looking for people who will follow him based on the stuff that he does. He's looking for those who are going to follow him based on what he won't accept. That's tough, tough, right? He's looking for people that will say, Jesus, you don't accept that, do you? But since you don't accept it, I'm still going to follow you, and I'm still going to move forward. I'm still going to move on. Because even though I know my flesh likes it, even, and we'll get to that in, in a little bit, but even though I, 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 I know this is something that, man, I, I really, this is just me and my little whatever, but he says, you know what? No, I'm looking for people who are willing to go ahead and say, Jesus doesn't like that? Then I don't like it. There's no, like, you know, gray areas. There's no, like, this, you know, again, when we talked about, I think, last week, the, you know, the batter's box, not taking out that back chalk line so that way you can get a little bit farther back. You're not, you're not wiping those lines out. But he's got, he's got these, these just clear expectations, and he's, interest, he's not interested in a relationship with you. Where, listen to this. Where he, he, he not, you just don't, like, um, where, you only are here, where you only hear and believe for the good stuff. Okay? And, and the blessings that are coming your way. Because, see, Jesus isn't about bait and switch. See, if I give you all the good stuff, then I got you. I hooked you. Right? I mean, how many do, I mean, we all love good stuff. Right? I mean, I hope so. But, but he doesn't, he won't pull the, 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 the switch on you. He, I mean, he wants to tell you, hey, it's going to take this. It's going to take that. You're going to have to experience some of this. And here he is. He's all, man, I want to get it up front. I want to give clear communication, a clear expectation to say to you, you know what? This is what it's going to take to be a disciple in your life. And I want that for you. I want you to be that disciple. But he doesn't want to say all of a sudden, oh, man, I forgot to tell you. Yeah, I gave you all that great stuff. But I forgot to tell you. You know? It's like sometimes I, well, nah, just anyways. You know how a thought comes in your head and you're going to go with it and you're thinking, I don't even make sense. All right? So Jesus always recruited by giving clear explanation, expectations, right? I, I think that's why you hear so many times in Scripture where he says, those who have ears, let them hear, right? Because he's like, hey, I'm giving you it like plain and simple here. I'm not complicating it. There's no mystery about it. Just understand it's right there in front of you. But you have to have ears to hear. His recruitment style wasn't fluffy, right? It was always truth of what it was going to take to follow him. And, and, and I'll say this to you. I mean, don't get me wrong. He wants to give you good things. He wants to bless us. But he's just saying, man, if it comes down to the stuff or me, you better pick me if you're going to be a disciple. You got to pick me. I have to know that you're going to give up that stuff. So he says here, um, 
If you're going to follow me, here's what's going to cost you. It's going to cost you relationships. It could cost you relationships. Now, I'm not saying you can't talk to your mom and dad or your kids or your friends or, or whoever it is, but just you have to look at it from the perspective if it comes, if they come first before Jesus, then you got a problem. Then that's not where it's, it's not going to work very well. And so it might cost some relationships, right? I have relationships with people who don't, don't love Jesus. They care less about Jesus. I still talk to them. I still love on them. But see, I can't let them create a wedge in my life that causes me to separate myself from Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is what Jesus said. I, I love it in the, the message version in Matthew 6.33. Regular version is, seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these th things shall be added unto you. But in Matthew chapter uh, 6.33 in the message says, Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. And I, to me, I apply that to, you know what? That means too, that includes godly relationships. I think you'll have greater relationships maybe, deeper relationships when you start opening yourself up and connecting with people right, it, at your church or, or other believers. Um, there's something about, you know, getting together and, and it unifies you to the point where, hey, you know what, I, yeah, I, you know, the world's kind of messed up. Or I, don't, I can't go to this person, but I can sure go to that person because I know that person cares about me. I know that person loves me. I, 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 I think it's sometimes we, we, we might think it, 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 it's the other way around. See, the church shouldn't be judging people based on what they come to the table with. They shouldn't, right? Because, you know, over the years, I, I've talked to tons of people, and they've come with stuff. And you know what? If, if I allowed it, it could build in me this thing where it's like, get it together. What? Jeez, you know, or whatever. This really hardened attitude. But praise God, I, man, I haven't crossed that line. Because you know what? Every single one of us have stuff that we're working through. But man, we need people to come in unity to, alongside each other and build each other up, hold each other accountable, and, and do life together. You know, and, and man, I, 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 get, I, I get the privilege to be called pastor. It's a privilege to do this job. But, but see, you, too, are, are called in some way to love each other, to be in unity with each other, to build each other up. And so just don't be totally dependent upon your friends, upon your family, upon those things. I think that's part of the, the deal here. God wants us to be dependent on him. He, 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 wants us, he wants to be our friend. He wants to be our family. He wants to be our provider. He wants to be all of this to us. But, but when, he, when he asks you and says, hey, it's going to cost you relationships, part of that process is, is trying to, to get you to that point where you're solely trusting him and, re and relying on him. 
The second, second thing discipleship will cost you is convenience. Convenience. Uh, verse 27 says, And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. I, I don't know what it was. For some reason when I read this, I, I was kind of like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Because a lot of times I think I, I equate that when it, just the cross. I, I kind of blend it in with Jesus' cross. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say, if you, and if you do not carry my cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Instead, so we're talking to, kind of, well, I'm talking, but, but it says your own cross. Your own cross. See, Jesus' cross is for salvation. Yours and my cross is for discipleship. Right? And without carrying your cross, at least what I'm gathering is, you can't be Jesus' disciple. You, you, you can't. Jesus' cross is, 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 is for sin, sickness, poverty, Satan's curses. But your cross is anything standing in your, in your way of serving God. That's your cross. Pastor Scott, what's my cross? What, I, what cross do I got to bear? Is there anything in your life that is causing you to not serve God? To the fullness. Whatever, whatever that might be. But it's whatever is standing in your way of serving God. Again, Jesus' cross was for redemption. Our cross is for responsibility and accountability to God. Your cross is for your flesh to die on, and it's not your salvation. But it's your cross for your flesh to die on every day, right? And if you're like me, that's an inconvenience to your flesh, wouldn't you say? If you got things in your life that are keeping you from fully um, living for God, walking in fellowship with God, then you know what? It's going to be an inconvenience to you to crucify that thing, to put it, put it on, on the cross. But see, he's trying to say, man, up front, you have to die to yourself. You got to crucify that flesh by not doing what your flesh wants to do. I mean, Paul struggled with it. He talked about it. But I mean, is, has anybody ever, man, I want to do this, but I don't because I end up doing this and I know that that's not right. But see, that, that's, that's the, 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 the thought process. You've got to be able to get to that point where, no, man, I, I, I'm crucifying that flesh. I'm telling that flesh, you don't have the final authority. I'm going to override it in every situation because my focus and my relationship is on Jesus. But see, that might be an inconvenience, right? You might be inconvenienced by him. Is that okay? Is it okay for him to inconvenience you? I mean, only you can answer that. But see, that's where, you know, we got to look at it and be able to say, okay, I've got to be able to, to be inconvenient. I've got I to I let him come into my life. And actually what I really need to do is I need to lay down my will 
right? I need to live according to his way. I need to lay down, you know, uh, my way or my pride or my ego or my personality or my attitude or even maybe even my rhythm of life. Man, you know what? If you're a person who loves to sleep, but you feel like God's saying, hey, I, I really need you to get up a little bit earlier to, to spend some time with me, that's going to disrupt your rhythm of your life. But are you willing to lay that down and say, okay, then maybe what I need to do is go to bed just a little bit earlier. I mean, that's not hard, but man, it's, our flesh is like, no, right? It just screams. So, I mean, you're just going to be inconvenienced. Uh, you know, like for an example, I mean, he, he might inconvenience you to forgive people who kind of, you know, in the natural seem absolutely unforgivable. But he said, hey, I want you to forgive them. That's kind of an inconvenience. Really? Ah, that's so hard. I mean, he might ask you to love people that are unlovable, ones that you really want to dislike. dislike. That's inconvenient. But see, that's Jesus. He'll inconvenience you if you allow him to. And I think, too, even, you know, some of those things that he'll ask you to give up, which are really hard because you already had them before you had him. You're like, yeah, but Jesus, man, I had this before I had you, and I really liked it. It was really like, yeah. But he's all I know. But now that you have me, I got to inconvenience you to give it up. But see, again, it's, it's that, that, that wrestle match within us. Like, are we going to, to, to give, give that up? We have to decide if we're really going to follow Jesus that it's okay for him to inconvenience us and make the decision to follow him no matter what that looks like. So the, the kind of the question is, can I take my, that, my appetite for the things I desire or do I keep inconveniencing myself and keep following the directions he's going in? But see, only you can answer that. Uh, in, in Luke 9.23, it says, Jesus said, you know, and another thing is, you know, even in that inconvenience, you might think, well, man, I, I, I am, uh, uh, it feels like, Jesus, you're taking me the long way around. It's a lot harder instead of something instant. But man, Jesus is so good. Enjoy the journey, right? Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, Jesus said to all of his followers, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely, embrace, he says, my cross as your own, and to surrender to my ways. Bracing his cross, that means, you know what? I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then it says, and to surrender my ways, that's putting my cross up there. So discipleship will cost you convenience. Let me, let me give you this kind of short story. I know we're kind of running a little bit late, but you know, this is going to be the last one for like five weeks, so I got to just like pour it all out. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, please, right? Yeah, great. My wife's like, great, all right? All right, but let me, let me tell you this little story, and then we'll get to our third point, and we'll end, I promise, right? But the, the, the young man was at the end of his rope, seeing no way out. Now, the reason I'm reading this is because sometimes I feel like I'm this guy, okay? 
Seeing no way out, he dropped to his knees in prayer and said, Lord, I can't go on, he said. I have too heavy a cross to bear. The Lord replied, my son, if you can't bear its weight, just place your cross inside this room. Then open the door to, uh, then uh, open that other door and pick out any cross you wish. The man was filled with relief and said, thank you, Lord. And as he did, as he, was to- as he did what he was told, upon entering the other room, he saw many crosses, some so large the tops were not visible. Then he spotted a tiny cross leaning against a far wall. I'd like that one, Lord, he whispered. And the Lord replied, my son, that is the cross you just brought in. When life's problems seem overwhelming, it helps to look around and see what other people are coping with you may consider yourself far more fortunate than you imagined. Right? Third point, discipleship will cost you everything. Luke 14, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Okay? And then he goes into this whole thing about sharing this parable about, you know, no one builds a tower without thinking about what the cost is and whether they have enough money. And then he goes into the king and says, man, you don't start a war without considering um, does he have enough uh, of, of what he needs in order to win. Now, I consider those both weighty decisions. Wouldn't you think? I think those are weighty decisions. And like those weighty decisions, have you truly considered the cost of what you signed up for when you gave your life to Jesus. Because it wasn't just to be a fan. It was to be a follower. It was to be a disciple. And Jesus was like laying that out. Like, hey, do, you know what? Hey, guys, you, you, you got to understand. It's going to cost you everything. Have you truly weighed this? Have you truly weighed it out? Because I'm going to inconvenience you at times. I'm going to stretch you at times. I'm going to ask you to kind of move beyond a little bit than what you're used to. Are you going to let me? And we have to say yes. A disciple says yes. Yes, Lord. I, 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 you know, going back, I, I remember, and I probably told you this because I, I like to repeat things. I don't know. But I remember the time when, when they asked me to, to jump into children's ministry, and I was like, heck no. There's no way I'm going to do that. But see, that was the Lord trying to inconvenience me. And because I decided, okay, I'll do it, then there was so much more blessing behind it. But see, sometimes we, we've got to be able to put ourselves in that position and say, okay, I, I, I told the Lord, yes, that I'll follow you, that, man, you're my Savior. I'm gonna, and then he comes and tries to inconvenience me. Then I got to be able to say, okay, man, let me be incon- inconvenienced. Let me do what, what you're saying. So, so following Jesus is not something you do half-heartedly. Right? The Bible, I think in Revelations, it talks about, you know, the, the lukewarmness. You know, don't be lukewarm. Serve wholeheartedly. Hey, you're in this to win it. Right? So what, what's some of the cost factor? It'll cost you popularity. It'll cost you an easy life. Right? Because you're going to have to discipline yourself daily. I feel like that one is it's one that really, you know, um, talks to me. Um, you have to say no to temptation. No to the world. You have to break 
with the crowd and change, right? You might not be able to do the same things you used to do before you got saved. You got to be willing to stand alone for Christ. Even if nobody around you is wanting to, kind of have to march to the beat of a different drummer, right? You might have to suffer persecution. We don't really experience it that much, not compared to like what happens in, in other countries. But man, you might, or it might cost you your life. But see, I believe those people counted the cost. They said, yeah, I'm not going half-hearted. If I got to stand in front, like I said, we don't experience here, but if I got to stand in front of a firing squad and tell me to denounce Jesus, nah, I already know what my decision is. I'm not going to do it. But that, that's part of the cost factor. And Jesus is telling us just plain and simple, that clear ex- expectation that, you know what? You're, you're going to have to lose it all, whatever that looks like. And it's different from all of us, but in some ways, it's the same for all of us, right? And so we just got to understand he's trying to, to, to give you the perspective so you're not surprised later. What? Jesus, you never told me that. Well, if you dig into scripture, he, he, he's telling you that. And he wants you to understand that. And, you know, and I know this is not a sexy message, right? You know, sometimes you get the sexy message. It's, oh, yeah, hoop and hollering or whatever. But the idea is to become more like him, more like Christ. Um, but see, if we, we have to start dying to ourselves, dying to our flesh, dying to our wants and, and all of those things. Because I think in some ways... Uh, Jesus has never been interested in you being you in the flesh. He's interested, right, in you being more like him, which means your spirit, you're walking in the spirit more than you are walking in the flesh. You can read about that in Galatians. But see, I think he he wants you to to walk in in who you are, the personality that you are. He, He gets all of that. But see, when it becomes the overriding factor and you're just walking fleshly, that's when he's like, no, I'm not interested in that. I want you to grow and mature and be all that God's called you to be. 1 John 2, 6 says, anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. So if you're claiming, hey, I'm intimate with God, I got a relationship with God, are you living that life that, that reflects the life of Jesus? But it's going to cost you everything in order to do that. But see, this is, this is how I'm going to tie it up right here. I promise. So if anybody is going to come and play uh, keyboard or guitar or, or whatever, feel free to come on up. Or you can give me some background music. Okay? It's going to cost you everything. But, but realize this, okay? Anybody who chooses to lose their life, knowing it will cost them relationally, it will cost them convenience, and it will cost them everything... I believe, because scripture, I'm going to bring out a scripture, will wind up with his blessing that far outweighs any loss or persecution you will incur as a disciple. Now, I'm going to back it up with this scripture. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30, and then we're going to be done. 
Because, you know, you look at it and think, oh my gosh, that's so much stuff. I, man, I'm going to lose what's on the outside, the, 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 the kind of that, 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 those things that he talked about. I, I, I got to put those all, how, how do I do all that? But then Peter, after um, uh, uh, Jesus talked to the um, uh, uh, rich young ruler and he went away sad and everything, Peter comes up with this, this line and says, hey, we left everything for you, Jesus. Like kind of, almost like he's, Pat me on the back, bro, you know? But this is what Jesus says in return. He says, listen to my words, Jesus said. Anyone who chooses, I'm sorry, anyone who leaves his home behind and chooses me over children, parents, family, and possessions for all the sake of the gospel, it will come back to him a hundred times as much in this lifetime. Not just in heaven. I mean, this is Jesus talking. I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up, okay? He says, in this lifetime, homes, family, mothers, brothers, sisters, children's possessions, along with persecutions. I love how he throws that in there. So hey, I'm just keeping it up, keeping it real, giving you the expectation. See, those things he's asking, hey, don't put them first. It's almost like he's turning around and saying, yeah, but if you do it, you'll see. You'll see, me, you'll see my hand in all of it, right? Those, those family members that aren't saved that would scoff at you and say, why, why do you serve Jesus? You're, you start praying for them and start believing that God, God's, got, God's gonna get them saved? Let's see, right? God, God working in their life and all of a sudden they get saved and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. But see, part of that was because you at one point decided I'm gonna be a disciple. Right? But he says all this. He says, home, family, mother, all those things that he kind of said, hey, you got to give those up. Those can't be first place. But then he says, man, a hundred times as much in this lifetime. Okay? And it says, along with persecution. So persecutions are there. He says, and in, in, and in the age to come, he will inherit eternal life. He says, so not only are you going to inherit eternal life, that, that's promised. But man, too, in, in the midst of your, your putting him first and following him in these discipleship footsteps, man, he is going to in turn bless you as well. As, and I believe, you know, and, and man, sometimes I'm still like, yeah, I'm still waiting for some of that. But again, when you even go back to that cross story, I look at it and go, man, I, I'm glad I'm not carrying that other cross. But, but it, it's, it's that perspective of being able to say, you know what, God, I, man, as long as I'm with you, man, you got it all taken care of. As long as I'm with you, yeah, I'm going to face persecution. I'm going to face hardships. I'm going to face some suffering. I'm going to face some things. But I've got you every step of the way. And you promised that you have come to give me life and life more abundantly, not just when I get to heaven, but even here on this earth. And however that works itself out, I'm glad I'm rejoicing that I'm going to see you do what it is you do best. Right? And the other thing I thought about, you know what? Jesus isn't a debtor to anyone. He's not. And so, man, it would be just like Jesus to bless you in whatever it is that you need a blessing in. Right? And sometimes we think blessing is, is so far out there, so extravagant, so, you know, whatever. It might be the fact that, man, you just need 20 bucks. And someone comes up and goes, hey, I just felt like I needed to give it to you. 20 bucks. Yes. That's blessing. 
doesn't mean someone unloads $20,000 to you. I mean, because sometimes that's the concept we think. But sometimes the, the blessing is something very practical. Sometimes the blessing is someone coming up to you and just encouraging you with God's word or what God says about you. It, 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 we, we've got to understand that God is in those little details as well. He's in all of them. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.